Good morning, everyone. I would like to welcome you to City Builders Church online service this morning. Uh, my name's Heidi McIver. I'm the assistant pastor here at City Builders Church. And it's just a real privilege this morning to be able to share what's on my heart. Um, but first, I think we'll pray and just commit this time to God. So Heavenly Father, we just thank you, Lord Jesus, for this time in history, Father God, that you are moving through the nations of the earth and you are moving in the hearts of men and women and children across the earth. And Father God, we thank you that even though our state of Victoria may be in, still in lockdown, Father God, the church is alive, Father God. We thank you that your spirit is alive. It is alive in the hearts of your people. It is alive in your church and it is always working, Father God. So this morning we commit this time to you. We commit this word to you. And we just pray, Lord God, that your spirit would be upon it, Father God, and you would bless it. In Jesus' name, amen. So the last few weeks, uh, we've been speaking about our nation's birthright. It's such a powerful spiritual message. And I wanted to um, go from that. Um, I wanted to talk about God in the making of a nation. So um, our nation's birthright is powerful. Uh, the reason we are called Australia is because of the prophetic word of a Portuguese navigator, Captain Pedro Fernandes de Curos, who believed it was his divine calling to discover this rumoured great south land. So on the day of Pentecost, which is incredibly significant, in the year 1606, de Curos sailed into the South Pacific and when he sighted land, he planted an emblem of the cross and he made this proclamation. In full, it's let the heavens, the earth, the waters with all their creatures and all those here present witness that I, Captain Pedro Fernandez de Curos, in the name of Jesus Christ, hoist this emblem of the Holy Cross on which his person was crucified and whereon he gave his life for the ransom and remedy of all the human race. On this day of Pentecost, 14th of May, 1606, I take possession of all this part of the south as far as the pole in the name of Jesus. Jesus, which from now on shall be called the southern land of the Holy Ghost, and this always and forever and to the end, that to all natives in all the said lands the holy and sacred evangel may be preached zealously and openly. So this is an incredible start to nationhood. And, you know, when we think about the meaning of our name, Australia, the great south land of the Holy Spirit, um, you have to sort of consider what does this look like? What would the great Southland of the Holy Spirit look like? Uh, I've been thinking about that this week and, and just a few ideas that, that I have come up with is a blessed land. Uh, the great Southland of the Holy Spirit is a blessed land, a united land, a harmonious land, a land where people are filled with the Holy Spirit. They are reconciled to God. They are restored. A land of justice, truth, love, righteousness. You know, this really is a description of heaven on earth. At the moment, it seems so far away. Our nation is going through a dark moment in history, and it's not just because of COVID. There are national problems that pre-existed COVID. People are hurting, divisions are strong, tensions are high, debt is high and getting higher, fear is high, the economy is slow, uh, jobs, businesses, livelihoods are uncertain, families are under stress. So 
There is great need in our nation at the moment and the words great Southland of the Holy Spirit don't seem to connect with what we're seeing on the ground. So what I wanted to talk about this morning was how does God take a nation from where it is to where it's destined to be? And the answer is he takes a nation through the same process he takes a person on. He redeems them, he restores them, repositions them, and then releases them into the fullness of their destiny. So just like our nation, every single believer has a destiny in God. They have promises, prophecies over their life that can seem so far away. But as that individual begins to give their life over to God, trust him on the process, he begins to build a character in them and take them on a journey to where they can fulfill their destiny. So throughout the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, we see the hand of God at work in the human heart, rebuilding, restoring, healing, elevating, realigning and readjusting. But throughout this process, there are dark and difficult times that at the outset look hopeless. But in the context of the journey, you can see that these are the moments where God does his greatest work. These are the turning points. And I believe 2020, it's been called a year of global reset. I believe it's a turning point. So he is at work exactly the same way in his church, in his people today and in this nation today. I just wanted to have a look at uh, some of the processes of God in heroes of faith in the Bible. Um, and when we look at these, you can, you will, you'll see hardship in a new uh, perspective. So consider the work God did in Joseph's life. He took a prisoner and he turned him into a prime minister. Somewhere in Australia, God is doing that same work in someone's life. And the work he did in David's life, he took a young, insignificant shepherd boy and he elevated him to king. Somewhere in Australia, God will be doing the same work in someone's heart. The work he did in Daniel's life, remaining faithful to God in a hostile environment, he is doing that same work today. The work he did in Elijah's life, overcoming intimidation to prophesy and overthrow ungodly oppressive government, he is doing that preparation work in someone else today. So there was a prophetic word from this pulpit about six weeks ago that God is raising up a new generation who will not run from the process. They will yield to the process. They'll thank God for the process. These are the next Josephs, Daniels, Davids, Elijahs of our generation. I believe that in this time, God is raising these heroes up. So just as God can transform a life, so too can he work in a nation. And I believe when we begin to see this next generation of men and women rise with the same spirit and the same heart as Joseph, David, Daniel, Elijah, the other heroes of the faith, I believe it will herald the breaking of a new day in Australia, the great Southland of the Holy Spirit. So the first process I wanted to talk about was God in the making of me. So Elijah was a great prophet of the Old Testament, but even Elijah had his cave. Moses, the deliverer, had his wilderness. Joseph had his prison. David fled from Saul. Daniel had his lion's den. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had their fiery furnace. Sarah had her barrenness. Gideon had his wine press. Samson had his mill. 
These were dark and seemingly hopeless moments in the lives of people, but it turned them into prophets, priests, kings, deliverers, defenders. It turned them into heroes of the faith. So this morning I wanted to say to you that the testimony of these lives gives humanity our greatest lessons about God and how to respond to him in trials. And it also gives us a great assurance that he's always at work. He's at work in our lives. He's at work in our nation, even in the darkest times. So it was in the wilderness, not in the Egyptian palace, that Moses encountered God at the burning bush. It was while he was a lowly shepherd, not an esteemed prince, that God met with him personally and commissioned him to become the deliverer that would lead Israel out of slavery. So even Moses's demotion from throne to shepherd, from palace to wilderness, God was in it. And in the life of Joseph, it was betrayal, false accusation and prison that put Joseph on the path to prime minister. When the brothers who betrayed Joseph and sold him into slavery as a young boy finally apologized years later, Joseph said something profound. He was the uh, second most powerful man in the world at the time and he could have had these men executed and took his uh, vengeance on them. But he said, what the enemy meant for evil, God meant for my good. And I believe this is a key to overcoming and trusting God in the process. The process of your life is not dictated by the people who've done you wrong, although God will use everything for his glory, but it is determined by God himself. Um, just a little bit more on Joseph, because I believe it's just a powerful um, and relevant story for this time. But Joseph dreamt as a young boy that his 11 older brothers and his father would bow down to him. His dream wasn't wrong but his heart wasn't ready to carry that. Uh, this was part of his birthright and part of his destiny, but he didn't have the character or the spiritual stature to hold it. So God takes him through a process and uses every evil plot to form him into the second most powerful man in the world. And because of that character of God on the inside of Joseph, when his enemies his brothers bow before him he doesn't misuse his power and have his revenge he uses it to forgive reconcile and reunite with his family that is inspiring i believe that is the heart of god and that is the fruit of a life that has been through the processes of god so I just wanted to encourage you, anyone who's listening to this this morning, if you have felt like you're in a cave or a prison, or if you've been betrayed like Joseph or falsely ac accused or even demoted like Moses, remember it is God in the making of you. These people changed the course of nations. They brought freedom, healing, restoration, and God wants to do the same thing in you so that you can make a difference in our nation. This is powerful. Um, I wanted to take the opportunity just to honour my local church this morning because I find just as much inspiration in the heroes of faith in our own church today modern day heroes of faith as I do in the, in the Bible. And um, there are some people who've overcome some incredible things uh, through the love of God and the process of God. Um, they've overcome drug and alcohol addiction. 
severe depression and anxiety, including psychosis, childhood abuse, trauma, neglect, domestic violence. You know, if God can heal and transform these people, he can heal and transform our nation. They are absolutely inspiring. And I just think it's a privilege to be surrounded by these people and the work of God. So how can God transform Australia as it is now into the great Southland of the Holy Spirit as promised. I wanted to talk about two points and they're actually part of our mandate as City Builders Church. The first one is restore. So I wanted to read from Isaiah 61, 1 to 4. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, to comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified." So this is an incredible picture. This really is that, you know, these people, the heroes of faith we see in the Bible and even the heroes of faith we see in our own town, once they allow the Spirit of God into their hearts and they go on a restoration and a healing journey, they become agents of restoration in the earth. That's what we are called to be. Uh, They take the spirit of the Lord that has come upon them and they minister healing to others. They preach the good news. They heal the brokenhearted. They rebuild old ruins, raise up former desolations and repair ruined cities and the desolations of many generations. This is our heart as city builders. This is our heart, uh, the heart of our church. So the spirit of the Lord is upon us for a purpose that is beyond us. It is an outward purpose. When you read through this scripture, Isaiah 61, you can see the purpose of the Spirit of the Lord being upon you and anointing you. It is to preach the gospel to the poor. It is to heal the brokenhearted. It's to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. You know, there are people, as I mentioned earlier in our church, who have been bound by so much pain and heartbreak um, and things that have gone wrong in their lives. But the Spirit of the Lord somehow was ministered to them from someone and it began to break those chains over their life. That is the way God works. So um, this is a call to our community and our nation. It is not a private, personal purpose. The Spirit of God, you know, He moves in our hearts and it is personal. And He moves in my heart, in my own prayer time, in my own home. He moves in my heart in church, corporately. But He also wants to move in my heart out of the four walls, in our community. Um, You know, I know that I've been a Christian for a very long time, but I can remember times when I've stepped across my barrier of fear and my comfort zone and I've prayed for people out in my community. And 
as I've held their hand, it's, it's like an electric feeling and I know it's the Spirit of God ministering to them and I think this is what it's for. Um, and I know that I can't wait to, to open the doors of these church and ha- this church and have our community come back in through the doors. But I also can't wait to, to get out there more and to do what Isaiah 61 is calling us to do uh, because it's not for the four walls. The second... Uh, part of this scripture was about restoration so the spirit of the lord and um his work on in people and our work in the community is to comfort all who mourn and to console those who mourn in zion zion speaks of god's people so when you belong to him everything becomes beautiful and purposeful in his hands it says here to give them beauty for ashes and the oil of joy for mourning the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness so even the ashes of your life what has become failure mistakes even humiliating things in your life they can become beautiful when you hand them over to god Uh, even your mourning can become joy even your heaviness can become a garment of praise you can exchange it for a garment of praise this is the work the transforming work of God Um, it's and it ends up um, that when people who go through this process they go through the dark times and they they trust God and come through the other end they become trees of righteousness the planting of the Lord that he may be glorified and you know I think that those Uh, Those times in my life where I felt everything has gone wrong, nothing good can come of this, I've lost everything, they're the times God's worked deepest in my heart. They're the times that the roots of my faith have gone down strong and I know that I've grown through that. The second point is to rebuild. So following on in Isaiah 61, now now to verse 4, they... These are the ones, uh, remember, who have the Spirit of the Lord upon them and the anointing upon them to heal the brokenhearted, preach the good news, to comfort all who mourn. These are, are those people, the agents of restoration. They shall rebuild the old ruins. They shall raise up the former desolations and they shall repair the ruined cities, the desolations of many generations." This is just so exciting because this is our call. One of the scriptures that is close to the heart of City Builders Church because it speaks of our mandate and our calling to our community. So I wanted to talk a little bit uh, about what are these old ruins that God is calling us to raise up and to rebuild. The first one is obviously what we've been talking about for three weeks now, which is our destiny in our name, the great Southland of the Holy Spirit. You know, Australia is going through a bit of an identity crisis, but I believe that in times of pain, we reassess. We reassess what's been working and what hasn't been working, what we've built our foundations upon and if it's working. I know in my life when I've gone through pain, it's caused me to reassess. I believe Australia is reassessing and in that reassessing, I believe that hearts, many hearts are going to turn back to God. Uh, There aren't many nations on the earth that have this promise of being the great Southland of the Holy Spirit hanging over them in the, in, the, in the spiritual realm. And I believe this will come to pass. We're very blessed to have that. The second thing we are called to rebuild is 
a spirit of unity and Christ-like citizenship. So these are probably sound a bit poetic and old-fashioned, these words, and that's because they are. And I was really... Um, I was really moved last week when Pastor Brian read out a poem that was written by the son of a, of a, pr- a preacher and it was read out at uh, the Federation Service of Australia, which was more like a church service, and I started doing more research into this. And um, it's, it, it was just amazing that Federation and nationhood was a miracle in Australia. To get Australia's states and territories to all agree to be united into one nation is exceptional and at times it seemed like an impossible task. So last week we talked about Alfred Deakin who was our second Prime Minister known as one of the fathers of the Federation um, and I discovered that he kept a diary that plotted everything that and um, And it was called a book of prayer and praise. And it was really his heart, um, the gratitude of his heart to God in taking him and leading Australia through the process of federation. And he wrote in this book that it was, he was convinced Australia's federation was secured through a series of miracles. So on June the 3rd, 1898, Deacon discovered that Victoria and Tasmania had approved the bill Uh, by an overwhelming majority, but that New South Wales had not reached the minimum number required for the adoption of the bill. So federation was um, not looking likely. So Deacon prays and and he records it in this book. It's an incredible prayer and he says, Father of nations, receive our psalm of thanksgiving. Enable us to pursue the cause of unity in spite of the obstacles which at present appear to beset our path elsewhere. Guide us to appeal to that which is best and purest so as to make its development and mastery sure under our forms of government. Aid us to purify ourselves by our labours for the general will and to invoke spiritual and moral principles so as to link us with our brethren on the highest plane to which we can at present attain. God preserve this people and grant its leaders unselfish fidelity and courage to face all trials for the sake of brotherhood. Thy blessing has rested upon us here yesterday and we pray that it may be the means of creating and fostering throughout Australia a Christ-like citizenship. This is an incredible promise, an incredible um, prayer of aspiration for our nation. This is what we're meant to be. This is what our federation was founded upon. So, you know, we're living in a time where Australia is fractured into racial groups, religious groups, self-interest groups, and we're all vying for our rights. But this has really just caused a divided Australia. And, you know, The gospel is about sacrifice and putting others first. It's about unity and reconciliation. So Deacon's fervent prayer teaches us that nationhood actually comes through Christ-like citizenship. It teaches us that we are linked together and raised to the highest level we can attain as human beings through spiritual and moral principles of Christ himself. So we must be prepared to face trials for the sake of brotherhood, trials for the sake of our nation. You know, this is something that I believe this attitude will be rebuilt in our nation. It will be rebuilt in the next generation of Josephs and Davids and Elijahs um, and Daniels that that are going to rise up in this nation. 
The other, the third thing I wanted to um, talk about, which I believe will be rebuilt in this great Southland, is freedom and sacrifice. So uh, another moment in our history was World War One, and of course World War Two. But World War One we faced when we were a very young nation. It had only been about 13 years since we were federated, uh, and our young men were called to the front lines and our young women were called to the war effort and there were great losses. But it was God in the making of a nation. So from this crisis, it's well recorded throughout our history that our national character was born. Traits of mateship, sacrifice and courage were traits that were recognised as others internationally as uniquely Australian by the way that we face this challenge. It brought us into a unique national identity. These men and women paid the ultimate price for the freedom we enjoy today. So this is actually very close to our heart at City Builders because uh, we have a British flag from the battlefields of Gallipoli hanging in our building today to remind us of this freedom and sacrifice. It belonged to a decorated war hero, Alfred Durham, the soldier doctor who survived the terrors of Gallipoli in the First World War and the Japanese prison camps of the Second. And um, our pastors, Brian and Lynn Heath, are very good friends of his family, his descendants who live locally. His grandson, Tom Durham, passed the flag to the church in the last Remembrance Day to inspire the spirit of sacrifice in generations living under the freedom our forebears fought for. And I just wanted to read this excerpt from our blog on our website uh, titled The Anzac Call to Our Generation. It reads, Remembrance Day and the Anzac legacy have held a special place in the City Builders journey. Since our senior pastors Brian and Lynn Heath were ordained to the ministry on November 11th, 1992, 11-11 has been a reoccurring time and date stamp marking significant moments in our church's history. It has served as a reminder that because of the sacrifice of those young men, we are custodians of the most precious, fragile and aspirational ideal known to humankind, freedom. The, our burden for our nation is articulated in the words of the 40th President of the United, United States, Ronald Reagan, that perhaps we have all lived with this miracle too long to be properly appreciative. He goes on to state during his inaugural address on January the 5th, 1967, that freedom is a fragile thing and is never more than one generation away from extinction. It is not ours by inheritance. It must be fought for and defended constantly by each generation, for it comes only once to a people. Those who have known freedom and then lost it have never known it again. In every generation, there is a fight for freedom. So thankfully, our fight is not literal, yet a spirit of sacrifice is still required. The idea of denying yourself and serving others does not come naturally to humankind. Yet these were the foundational teachings Jesus gave us. Whenever we see humanity rise to embrace these qualities, we are witnessing a reflection of the life of Jesus and the empowerment of his spirit in ordinary men and women. That is, what extraordinary, that is when extraordinary events shape history and form the foundation of nations. So if you wanted to read further on that, that's on our website titled The Anzac Call to Our Generation. 
So I just wanted to finish up here and just encourage anyone who's listening that the year 2020 has been called, as I said earlier, the year of global reset. But I believe it is the year that we're going to see God in the making of nations, especially of our nation. We're going to see God in the making of his sons and daughters in Australia. We're going to see God in the making of every heart that turns to him. Um, I believe that there is a a call going out to the hearts uh, of every Australian from the heart of God, which is, let me make you. Let me make you. This is incredible in, in the Bible because in the very beginning in Genesis, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit said, let us make man in our image. Together they created the first man and woman and we are created with a body, soul and spirit. We are a triune being reflecting the image of a triune God. And that's the way he made us to be, to reflect his image and to, and to have a close relationship with him. Uh, but when mankind fell into sin, it severed this connection with our maker and it corrupted our image. When sin entered our heart, we could no longer reflect the image of God accurately. And we regressed from our point of perfection at creation and we have been regressing ever since. The incredible thing is that the heart of God is always for us. And when humankind made that grave error, that grave mistake, and we chose sin over God, um, God didn't abandon us. God didn't forsake us. He didn't forget us. He didn't let us go and, and fall into sin. His heart was always for us. His heart was always yearning to make a way back. His heart has never changed. In thousands of years, he has never changed. He found a way to redeem us. He found a way to restore our hearts and to reconcile us to him so that once again we could reflect the image of God. And he did this at the greatest cost to himself. So hundreds of years later, Jesus is God's rescue plan. He comes into the world to pay the price for our sin and restore our standing before God. And he utters the same words to men that he's calling to be his disciples. He says to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. But the words that I'm focused on is follow me and I will make you. God is still in the business of making us, making every man, woman, child who turns their hearts to him. He's still in the business of making nations. He hasn't forgotten about you. He hasn't forgotten about me. He hasn't forgotten about our nation. It doesn't matter what darkness we're in. At the time, God never forgets and he never leaves us. And his promise is still, I will make you. If we follow him, like Jesus said, he will make us. This is a call to restoration. And this same call is going out from the heart of Jesus today to the hearts of every man, woman and child. He is inviting you to follow him so that he can finish the work he began in you at creation. He wants to perfect you. And the Bible talks about how trials, hardships, struggles, they actually perfect our faith because it's God in the making of us. It actually restores us to be more like what we were meant to be at the beginning in creation than after sin entered the world. So he wants to restore you and make you reflect his image once again. The moment we give our hearts to him, we begin an exciting journey that he had planned for us. 
from the beginning. So I wanted to invite you this morning that if you feel that call of God on your heart this morning, if anything uh, from this word has really resonated on the inside of you, I wanted to encourage you that wherever you are, even in the privacy of your own home, today you can make a decision to follow God and let him make you. And he will turn your beauty, in, uh, your ashes into beauty, your mourning into gladness, spirit of heaviness into joy. And he will do a miraculous transformation that we've seen him do in our local heroes of the faith, in the heroes of the faith we've seen in the Bible. And wherever you are, there will be a church who will be able to connect with you and help you on that journey. So I wanted to invite you to repeat this prayer after me. So dear Lord Jesus, we thank you for your sacrifice on the cross. We thank you that you entered into this world to pay the price for our sin. And through your death and resurrection, we can be born again. This morning, we open our hearts to you. And we invite you to come and live inside of us. We invite your Holy Spirit to fill us. And we invite you to lead us and to make us into your image. And we, this morning we pray for our nation and we thank you that you are making our nation to fulfill the fullness of its destiny as the great Southland of the Holy Spirit. And we pray that you would make us agents of restoration in this plan. We thank you for being our saviour, for being our Lord, for being our Father. In the name of Jesus, amen.